Hi, everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 96. It's now been 47 weeks, one day, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And last episode, day 95, our Christmas extravaganza, I told you then that was the last podcast of 2014. Well, guess what? Today is a bonus episode. That's right. Bonus episodes are where I have something on my mind and I just feel like walking and talking or going for a hike, which is what I've done. And then I just talk about whatever's on my mind. Today is mostly bonus episode. I do have a couple of things that I want to do. We're going to hear from Sue from the UK as she describes her special Christmas service that she attended. And I love to hear her voice and I wanted to get it in this year. So stay tuned for that. Also, if you care to hear it right after I let something go today, I'm going to read for you the stats of the blog, CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, that I recorded while I was waiting for my phone to recharge. Also, I'm going to feature a blog by Fiona, and I'm going to do some comments by Fiona, Cheryl, and Donnie on a blog post I did while I was away with Mark for Christmas because it was a watershed moment and I think it's worth thinking about and I want to talk about it some more. So all that and more brave companions on this New Year's Eve Eve. Stay tuned while we listen to Josh Woodward one more time in 2014 and I'll let you know what triggered this bonus episode and what I need to let go of today. Josh, as always, for giving me the opportunity to think about what do I need to let go of today. And of course, as I said in the opening, I did have some idea of what I wanted to let go of today, but it doesn't hurt to have it reiterated for you. And I think to sum it up, what I'm going to let go of today is disappointing devastation or disappointed devastation. Basically, how many times have you had something happen and you feel devastated? You might even say, oh, I was so devastated these pants don't fit. Or I was devastated that my friend didn't text me back. Or I was devastated that I didn't get the best review ever on iTunes. Or I was devastated that, what you know, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. You know, these things that happen in life... I'm used to saying I'm devastated and actually my emotions tell me I'm devastated. I feel like I'm in a sorrow temperature zone that's sky high for things that are not sky high. So Mark and I have been trying a new phrase that we come up with, which is disappointment is not devastation. Disappointment is not devastation. Okay, disappointment is not a happy feeling. We don't want to be disappointed. If you get the beautiful gift with a big bow on it and you have in your mind what you're going to be getting with this gift and you unwrap it and it turns out to be new underwear, <laughs> well, 
that's not very fun. We actually had that happen. My parents were going through some real tough financial times when I was eight years old, and Christmas was basically them wrapping up new socks and underwear because we really didn't have a lot of money for toys. <laughs> My brother and I felt really rooked that year. <laughs> we did get, I think, one toy each. But I tell you, sometimes when you have these expectations of getting a new toy and you're getting underwear, it makes you disappointed, right? It's a feeling that is opposite of elation, I guess, or happiness, or even contentment, or satisfaction. It is less than. It is not what I wanted to experience. It's not what I wanted to get. It's not what I wanted to have happen to me. So I feel disappointment. But devastation, my goodness. Devastation. The last time I think I felt something where devastation was close to appropriate was when I thought my cat Tiger had run away and been eaten by coyotes. Now, I love my cat dearly, absolutely dearly. And the idea that it was my fault that I left the door open, that he ran out and was most likely eaten by coyotes, a fate that happens to most outside cats in my neighborhood, especially that time of night. Those type of feelings of loss and grief and wishing things were different and the whole series of bargaining and all of that kind of grief related. I think devastation is more of a true deep soul grief that just takes hold of you. There's not very many things in life that would make you feel devastated. And yet I think at least for me, I have a bad habit of thinking that I am devastated. Oh no, the brave companions haven't been calling the bravery hotline. It's devastating. Oh no, Mark forgot to get me the cereal I wanted at the store and I wanted to eat that. I'm devastated. Oh no, Mark forgot to put gas in the car. I have to go put gas in the car. That's devastating. Now I know these are kind of silly examples, but I ask you truly, how many times have you told yourself you're devastated by something? And you know what? What you tell yourself, you kind of believe. And devastation is an emotion that I don't know about you, and I know I've been saying that a lot, but for me, devastation triggers me to want to comfort myself. When you're devastated, you want comfort. And comfort to me means chips or ice cream or having something to eat. Though lately I've been trying to make comfort be come hike and talk, wrap up in a comfy quilt, have a nice warm bath, watch some of my junk television on the whopping big television, tickle tiger, pet his tummy, kiss Mark, something like this. But devastation needs comforting. That's grief, needs comforting. Now disappointment, think about that. If you say to yourself, oh, I'm disappointed. I don't have that same drive to be comforted. Oh, can you come right over? I was disappointed today. No. What if I call you up? Could you come on over? I was devastated today. Of course you want to drop what you're doing and come over because I'm devastated. That is like a siren call. That's an alarm. That's five-star alarm. Come over. Take care of this. Help me. And I'm wondering if part of why I did this, even with myself, is the isolation that I felt all my life. You know, I feel like you 
as my friend or my relative or acquaintance might not want to pay attention to me or help me or discuss this issue with me if it's not an emergency, right? You go to your boss at work and you say, boss, I need this. What's the priority? Well, it's a three. Well, I'll take care of that later. Right? It's a one, boss. It's a flaming one. Well, he's going to drop whatever he's doing and let's take care of it, right? But just like the boy who cried wolf, you don't want to be yelling devastation to your boss or priority one to your boss if it's not true. And I'm thinking, you know what, Lori? You don't want to be yelling devastation to yourself. When you get your stress hormones going like mad because you walk around feeling devastated by every little thing. Oh no, the stamp fell off the envelope. I have to put a new stamp on there. <laughs> I mean, really seriously, these are some things. Okay, today I realized that I was going to be an hour later starting my hike because I forgot to plug in my phone last night. So it was down to absolute zero. And I use my phone for some of the show notes and the pictures and other things that I need if I want to record a show. And I had my heart set on, oh, I'm going to go hike at this certain time, and then I'm going to make lunch, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And this just screws me all the heck up that I forgot to plug in this phone. Crazy. My first reaction is, oh, this is awful. This is the worst thing in the world. I can't go hiking. I got this hour. Now what am I going to do? Well, Let's look at it another way. Instead of saying, I'm devastated, or oh no, I tell myself, oh, that's disappointing. I was hoping, I was hoping to get out the door by this hour so that I would be back well in time for lunch. And that's what I thought was going to happen. But that isn't what happened. This is the reality. The reality is I need to sit here for an hour to get my phone good in charge so it's safe for me to go hiking in the wilderness. With, you know, I need to have my phone. And what shall I do? And at that very moment, WordPress.com sent me their annual roundup of stats for my blog, CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. Now, last year, they did the same thing for DailyAdventureTales.com. And because DailyAdventureTales.com sucked the big weenie when it comes to <laughs> being a popular blog, it was much more popular as a podcast. Like, the number of downloads was pretty decent. But as... A blog as a place for people to come and post or do comments or visit? No, it was thumbs down. My stats were so not good. It made me disappointed, almost to the devastated degree, but extremely disappointed. So here it comes for CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. And I know this sounds crazy because you've all been commenting and I've been featuring your comments, but I had this tinge of fear like, oh no, I don't want to open up this email. I don't want to see this report. I'm going to be devastated. And I said, no, no, no. You might be disappointed, but you're not going to be devastated. And I don't know about you. Boy, I know, I'm really saying that a lot. I don't know about you. I have to work on that. I'm disappointed that I say, I don't know about you <laughs> so much. <laughs> okay, back to my topic. What was my topic? Oh, no, I'm going to have to go listen again. Hang on. Boy, 
isn't it handy that I have this recorder so I can go back and find my train of thought? I could really use that in my real life where I get off on a tangent and I forget what I was going to say. Maybe that's a senior moment or maybe it's just my compulsive mind and overdrive. But anyway, my original topic is I was scared to open the report for the stats for compulsiveovereatingdiary.com because I had had prior experience where that wasn't a very good email something that was disappointing to me, almost devastating. But since I had an hour to kill, I opened up the email and I really enjoyed how they presented the data and I enjoyed it. So I recorded it as something to do. And for those of you who would like to know what were the top posts, how many people came to look at CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com, who the five top posters were, stay tuned and listen for about a minute and a half because here it comes. BCs. I got up. I got my hiking boots on. I have stuff I want to talk about for day 96 as a bonus episode, but I forgot to charge my freaking phone. Dope! And why is that important? Well, besides taking my required selfies, all of my show notes that I do, the things that I use to remind myself of what I want to speak about or the comments I want to feature are on the notes of my phone. No phone, no show. So I'm sitting here killing time, and I thought you guys might be interested in hearing my annual report of how my blog did on WordPress.com. Every year they send you an overview. Now remember, CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com is not even a year old. When I started the show last February, I was piggybacking it on DailyAdventureTales.com, which still, frankly, is terrible as a blog. <laughs> it never took off. And while CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com is not the most popular blog on the internet, it's pretty. I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. So, ta-da! Here is my report for 2014 with CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com. The concert hall at Sydney Opera House holds 2,700 people. If it were a concert at the Sydney Opera House, it would take about seven sold-out performances for that many people to see it. How many is that? More than 20,000 times. Hooray! Wow! That's pretty impressive. Thank you. The busiest day in the entire year was August 11th with 191 views. The most popular post that day was episode 67, bonus, what's under my body shame? Huh. Now I wonder what was going on on August 11th that so many people wanted to listen or look at what's under my body shame. Sometimes, you know, you might get featured by somebody somewhere, but you don't know about it. Um, that's really interesting. Posting patterns. It says that there were 134 new posts. Not bad for the first year. The longest streak was in June, where I posted every day for seven days. Wow, that must have been crazy. Maybe I was putting up the Brave Companion pages or something. The best day for posting is Tuesday, with 25 posts total. Now that makes sense, because I would say that if you had to bet what day will you see a new show, Tuesday is probably the best bet. The attractions in 2014, the post that got the most views. So this is what you guys looked at the most. Starting with number five, the bonus episode number 80 about where I asked for support for my live support group back in September. Number four, 
Well, that's ironic because it is the infamous episode four, Pathetic or Not, Here I Come. Number three, episode 68, Depression and Always Feeling Responsible, and I'll Miss You, Robin Williams. Number two, Trusting the Mirrors, Photos, or Your Heart. That was a blog post I did about, you know, do you let yourself be swayed by how you look like in the mirror and so forth. And number one, a soda... <laughs> And number one, assorted photos from Lori's weight loss journey. So I guess the thing that most people wanted to look at was what did I look like <laughs> or how do I look like? <laughs> so I don't know if that brought listeners and blog readers to me or scared them away, but my photos were the number one thing. Now, how did they find me? Facebook, quit binge eating, dailyadventuretales.com, Twitter, and Donnie's email address. <laughs> Where did they come from? Mostly from the United States, the UK, and Canada, but there were over 101 countries in all. And the top posters, the people who put the most comments besides myself on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, in reverse, the top five, number five is Sue from the UK. Thanks, Sue. Number four is Suze, also known as Suzanne, from the USA. Thank you, Suze. Number three, Stephanie from Quebec. Merci, Stephanie. Number two, Donnie from the US. And number one, da -da 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 -da, my friend Cheryl, also from the US. So thank you so much, you regular posting BCs. You have done so much for the community and so much for me. And I really, really thank you. Well, for those of you that listened to those stats, wasn't that fun? Nothing to be devastated about or even disappointed about. I just really want to thank those of you that take the time to come and post on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. I want to remind you that there are some cool places you can post besides on the show notes. And each of the show notes follow this format, compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash D-A-Y day, and then the number that I say at the opening. So like today is 96. So it's going to be compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash D-A-Y 96 front slash and that will take you directly to these show notes. And so if you're ever listening in the car and you say, I want to say something about that, just go back and listen to what day it is. And you'll be able to find those show notes really easily, even if you're following along behind us because you found the podcast not in real time and you're starting with day one and moving the way through. You can find, find the notes that you want to post on. The other place that's cool is... Who are the brave companions? Now, I don't know if I've been featuring that enough because I haven't seen some posts lately on who are the brave companions, but the intention of that page is for you to come and post a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you like, what your problems are or not. You know, you could say what your hobbies are or what your handle is on Instagram or whatever it is you'd like to say about yourself. And the intention is that if you're posting other places or you're featured on the show, then people can come to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and look you up. And it's kind of fun to go back and reread the Who Are the Brave Companions for those that have already posted.
Another important place is the bravery report. You'll hear me say on the show, you made it on the bravery report. Now that isn't an actual thing that I keep myself. It's just meaning that that's something you did is really brave. But I thought it would be fun to have a place where we could post, I did something brave. And that's what the bravery report is for. You can go there and post what you did. I'm brave because I told my brother how I really feel about XYZ. I'm brave because I tried to sing at the karaoke bar. <laughs> Whatever it is you did that you feel is brave, you can celebrate it by posting it there. And there's also a PDF that I made for you that you can fill your name in and the date and what you did and print it out and stick it on your refrigerator, your bathroom mirror, wherever to remind yourself in physical proof that you were brave. On that same page, you can also get a certificate of completion that I made for people who are binge listening from episode one all the way through. So you have something to shoot for if you like. That's an, a reward for yourself. You can put your name in there and the day you caught up and print that out and congratulate yourself for all that darn listening. Of course, you're always welcome to post on my blog posts because I write what I have to think sometimes as well as do the show notes for the podcast. And if you go to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com in the top menu, you can see the episode index and that will take you to all of the podcasts where you can listen to them or see their show notes or their resources of the day. Or you can go to the blog post and you can read whatever I had to say. In fact, I'm going to be talking about a blog post in a couple of minutes. And then something maybe you're not aware of is usually if I featured someone's comment, like today I'm going to feature a comment by Fiona on my blog post, I will put a link to her comment on today's show notes. So no matter how far it is from today, you can go to today's show notes, click that link, and you can answer or comment to Fiona. Even if it's just to say, good job, Fiona, or this brought this to mind. And that keeps the comment conversations going. Well, enough of this chit-chat about CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. I have now the great pleasure to introduce to you in her own voice, in her own words, Sue from the UK as she's going to tell us about a lovely Christmas service that she attended and wish you happy holidays. Hi, this is Sue from the UK here, wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm remembering the carol service I went to on Saturday, which was absolutely amazing. A mixture of readings from the Bible, from Genesis through to Revelation, odd bits of course, all talking about the coming of Jesus. And the light of the world, it was done mainly in darkness with candles uh, being lit and lamps being lit as the time progressed through the service. Amazing music, amazing singing, and very interesting accompaniment from uh, a slidey guitar thing and accordion and keyboard. But it was so special, really, really special. And I just wanted to share that with folk. Have a wonderful holiday, and it's great to speak to you. Well done, Sue. You're on the bravery report for sending me that lovely bit of your voice and your celebration of Christmas. And I hope to hear more from you in future. I would just love it to hear from Sue, from you, 
from all of you, call the Bravery Hotline if that's not too expensive for you, or use SpeakPipe if you have an iPhone or you have a mic attached to your iPad or to your computer, or do like Sue did and record an audio file however you can and attach it and send it to me at lori at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and I can edit you into the show as well. Before I move on to feature Fiona's blog post and talk about my own blog post, I got a tweet today on my second Twitter account, The Bravery Coach, and I follow Motivate Tweet, M-O-T-I-V, the number eight tweet, and they follow me too, so I'm happy about that. But the tweet today said, be proud of who you are, not ashamed of how someone sees you. Again, be proud of who you are, not ashamed of how someone sees you. And I think this really goes in to our fears and why we aren't brave to go after what we really want. And a good example of that is Fiona is being really brave with what she's writing about in her own blog, Fiona Sings. And I will put this address on today's show notes. And the title of today's post for her is, or the latest post for her is, What I'm Giving Up in 2015. And here's just a snippet of it. At the beginning of 2014, I was asking myself how my life would be different if I didn't use food to cope. As the year draws to a close, I am pondering a new question. What would life be like if I gave up dieting altogether? And then Fiona goes on to write extensively her thoughts and feelings about this idea of giving, of giving up dieting, of listening to herself, of learning to trust herself. And as an example, she goes through some excellent points about some senior citizens at in her workplace and some are old grumblers right no matter how good they have it or how well their body is still functioning they're still grumbling about life it's always a cloudy day never a sunny day everything is half empty never half full everything is horrible and I have to admit that I've been a bit of a grumbler for most of my life a bit of an Eeyore type and then there are the floaters those who no matter what, no matter how bad things get, they find some positive. Oh, well, I can still do this. Oh, well, this is nice. This is a fun thing today. I can think about this. I had a, my old fifth grade teacher live to be over 100 years old. And when I'd go to see her, she had become a model <laughs> after 100 years old because she still had a sparkle in her eye. And she was a model for like a scooter device, you know, that you go around with but she actually did that because she still put on her makeup every day she still did her hair every day whatever she could do whether she could see well or not see well whatever she could do she could do so and she had a good attitude her entire life and her room was always filled with friends and family and I can see why because a positive attitude is attractive is attractive to me and I always wished I could have a positive attitude, but I found for myself that you can't really paste on a positive attitude. A positive attitude that's pasted on will come across as fake and non-genuine. What you can do, though, is to really search and find something, find something that is true for you to make the day better. 
So anyhow, what would make my day better is if I tell you, go over to Fiona's blog, read it, and I'm going to put it as the resource of the day as well as in the mentions part. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. Please check it out and leave some comments for Fiona to encourage her writing because she is an awesome blog writer as well as a stellar songwriter. Okay. Now, talking about blogs, or speaking about blogs, I did some blog writing while Mark and I were away for Christmas, and I talked about my adventures of Christmas in Solvang, where we went to stay. And that post is called Half a Chocolate and Other Christmas Miracles, and it begins like this. This, my dears, is the true Christmas story of Lori, Mark, and the impact of intuitive eating. Mark and I made a different kind of Christmas for ourselves this year. No family or friends were on our horizon, so we decided to turn our solitude into an adventure opportunity. We took off in our convertible up the coast to the Danish town of Solvang. And while I was there, I had some amazing intuitive eating success and progress. I also had some challenges. Intuitive eating for me is more than how much food I eat. It's also about accepting myself with kindness and love and making decisions that allow me to have the most authentic and relationship-primary life I can. What a weird phrase I just coined, relationship-primary. But it is one of my goals because frankly, my food and my body concerns have been my top concern over everything and everybody else for most of my life. That's what disordered eating is. Just like any addiction, not only does it mess with you with physical consequences, it messes with your life in the form of off-kilter choices in how you deal with people and events. Anyway, Brave Companions, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's a little bit of the good part about my intuitive eating adventures at Christmas. I feature a photo of half of a chocolate, and let me tell you about that a little bit. Mark and I took a box of seized chocolates with us, and I was amazed to find out that I don't like most of the chocolates in the assorted chocolate box. That's right. But what made this one the biggest miracle was I do like this chocolate. The one that's in the picture, I do like it. But I took one bite and it was enough. I didn't feel like having more. I had to check in with myself. Are you insane? You love this chocolate. No. So I spent most of my chocolate eating experience taking small nibbles, putting them away or throwing them in the garbage until Mark said, please cut them with a knife so at least I can eat them because I was discovering I don't like chocolate, and what's more, if I don't like it, I'm not going to continue to eat it just because it's chocolate. In the past, I would have continued to just keep eating it because it's chocolate, right? <laughs> but no, I didn't. And this one chocolate, my victory chocolate, was one I did like, but one bite was actually enough. Then as you read more in this post, you can see photos and read about our other adventures, such as our horse-drawn trolley journey, fun in the beer garden, and the Christmas sights in Solvang. But then I go a bit deeper inside myself. Here I'm going to continue what I wrote. As you can imagine from our horsing around, trinket shopping, and beer garden adventures, we were feeling very jolly. We danced in a gazebo in a park and spied from there a Santa house and chair. We laughed and decided to grab a Santa selfie for fun. Enter the Sumerian who insists on taking our photo for us to quote, include, unquote, everything. All of a sudden, I'm not having fun. I'm feeling anxious, 
puffy, fat, out of control, and this slender, kind woman, bitch, is taking forever to snap many full body shots of a scene, is taking forever to snap many full body shots of a scene I don't want to see. In it, I look strange because I am not sitting on Mark's lap. I am perching, holding my own weight. We thought our selfie would take three seconds, but this went on and on and on. Again, she was being kind and wanted a photo of herself in return. As part of my post, I bravely put the unaltered, unflattering shot of me perching full body against Mark in the Santa house with this caption. I'm being brave here. A lady took this photo and not being prepared, I now get the chance to see what we'd look like at this angle. Normally, I discard or crop this result. But it was such a fun moment. I'm learning to accept all of myself, unflattering angles or not. But then I post more of my actual truth. Between my murderous rage and the maturity to write the miraculous caption above for the Santa photo, much went down. Then comes the headline, Feeling Ugly. After the none too soon exit of the kind photo snapping stranger, Mark reviewed the photos on his phone and steeled himself for the question he knew was coming. Honey, is this a bad picture or do I look this way? Er, uh, sorry, hun, you look this way. What? When did that happen? Er, I think with all of our going out and all, when? Well, I think you've been putting on some weight for about the last three weeks. This was said all in a rush. I collapse in a puddle of tears, embarrassment and disgrace. I'm speechless with self-deceit, disappointment in my size and remorse for my food sin that obviously got me to this state of woe. But worse is that I feel these painful emotions. Aren't I doing well with intuitive eating? Aren't I self-accepting? How the hell have I been wearing the same size and putting on 10 pounds at least? How, how, how? How come I feel these old shame feelings on Christmas? Well, I'm not going to read the entire post here, but I'll put a link in today's show notes, and I think you get the idea. And if you read it, you will discover Mark stepped out of his comfort zone to support me in the best way possible. Hooray for him! It is really hard for him not to try and fix my feelings, and his methods help me work through these feelings without heading back into denial. But I also wanted to share some of the wonderful comments in the conversation around this post and my own reflections on the topic that these comments brought up. Fiana posted right away, Fiana, I really appreciated it and I needed a friend quite badly right then. She says, wow, Lori, this is wonderful. Thank you for sharing both the good and the bad. It helps me to remember that my weight matters 0% outside of its effect on my health to the people who love me. Plus or minus 10 pounds doesn't change my admiration for you one bit. My answer, thanks Fiona. I have to admit, I almost fell back into my diet cycle for about a second, but nope, I've come too far to step back on that disordered treadmill. For me anyway, dieting is one half of my binge eating cycle. I notice even today I'm much less puffy, so the bike ride did some good. Also, at dinner, I was not very hungry, so one bowl of the famous Anderson pea soup was enough. I have faith that in a month or so, this will most likely come off. If not, well, that's too darn bad. But really, thanks for the support. It is hard to explain to most people that this weight gain is a bit of a victory and just another lesson in my journey. XOXOXO. Donnie, as always, steps up to be my cheerleader. Mm, Donnie. Thanks, Lori. You rock. 
I'm sorry for your moments, but in the end it seems to have worked itself out and was beneficial to feel the feelings you did, smiley face. I too am thankful for your sharing the good, the bad, and the fugly. I envy your spirit and your lovely adventures. You have a wonderful husband and a great marital relation. Fantabulous, just saying. I too think you have an up-and-coming bravery report posting for this posting, laughing out loud. You are very brave and awe-inspiring. By the way, Mark laughed a lot when I informed him he is a good husband. He said, why do you say that, Lori? I said, I read it on the internet. <laughs> okay, back to my post. Cheryl also posted a great supportive comment. What a wonderful Christmas story. Lori, never doubt that you are the whole package. What you've been looking for beyond the food is honesty and self-acceptance. And girl, I think you found it. That was an excellent post, and Mark's comment about eating out is so true. If you gained anything while you were away, no doubt it was the salt and the bloody food. Don't fret over it. As soon as your routine shifts into gear again, the water will fall right back off. And if it helps, when I went with his lordship to see the nutritionist and he talked to her about the holidays, she told him that no one should be expected to forego the special holiday food, only be moderate in his eating habits. Sounds to me like you did an excellent job of that. Donnie's right. You rock. And Cheryl's post, among others, and I want to take a moment to thank all the BCs who took time to comment, whom I haven't featured on this show, but I appreciate it just the same. Anyway, back to Cheryl's post, which really made me consider what I've been through and where I'm going from here. I said, This is so well said, Cheryl, that I'm going to put it on the fridge. Quote, What you've been looking for beyond food is honesty and self-acceptance. This is so true. Why have I been so driven to the extent of all else to have a different, smaller body size? Because I equate that attribute for getting me love, e.g., quote, good girl syndrome, unquote. But it isn't true. What gets me love from myself and others is being authentically caring, not people-pleasing, not isolating, not making everything about me and my food. Once food is food, I can consider its health value, its flavor, how physically hungry I am. I'm just now seeing that my disordered food relationship runs so deeply that I had no chance for any lasting change by any diet or program. But as I move through all of these painful and freeing layers of who I am and what I want, I am discovering my true emotional needs and doing my best to meet them without demonizing or holifying different foods each in its time and place. I'm hoping I may be getting to where I can consider my diet in the broadest sense of the word, attributes for better energy, sleep, and health without triggering my deprivation diet slash binge cycle. This will be awesome because I will feel physically great as well as emotionally great most of the time. But this is the scariest step yet as it is dangerously close to my diet mentality, but is also a natural outgrowth of my legalizing every single food in the world I'm tired of treats, and my body is wanting me to go back to cooking. So, treats may be treats again, and my regular food closer to what it once was. The difference is, I feel excited and not deprived, as I truly know in my heart, I can have without guilt anything. It is a very odd feeling. And it's such an odd feeling that this was something I talked about with my therapist yesterday. I said to her, I don't know how to describe it. It's not really ambivalent, but it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't have the best podcast in the world. Oh, well, I'll live. 
oh, well, I put on a little weight over Christmas. Eh, no biggie. I guess I'll live. And I went on and on. All these things that used to make me feel devastated. Remember our opening, devastated versus disappointment? said, I used to feel devastated. Now I feel like, well, that's disappointing, but oh, well, I'll live. What is this feeling? I don't know how to deal with it. It's kind of boring. It feels like I'm in the middle and like part of me wants to, to go on a diet or to cause a drama or pick a fight or have something happen. This feels really odd. What do you call this feeling? And she looked me in the eye and said, Lori, I want you to take in how you feel right now. I want you to really remember it. I said, okay, here I am taking it in. What is it? She said, you're feeling what it feels like to be emotionally healthy. What? Emotionally healthy? That's right. Lori, you're dealing in a balanced way. You are admitting what's true, but you're not letting it get to you. You are listening to yourself. You have a relationship with yourself. You don't have blinders on, but you're not hurting yourself. You are acting in an emotionally healthy manner. What? What? How odd, brave companions. I am acting emotionally healthy. And what's so odd is that this is odd for me. I'm 55 years old. It's almost the end of 2014. And it's so odd for me to feel emotionally healthy, balanced, and not push and pulled by my emotions or the emotions of others or the expectations I put on myself or the expectations I think others have for me. This feeling of just being whoever I am, however I am in the world, is so new to me, I didn't recognize it. But my wish for me in the new year is not to lose the 10 pounds. The wish for me in the new year is not that my podcast audience will double or that I will be asked to speak at many conventions and conferences. Not the things I would normally put as a goal for me. My goal is that more often than not, I'm going to feel this slightly boring, odd feeling that my therapist described for most of next year. That is my goal and my wish, that I'm going to feel emotionally balanced and healthy. And I wish that for you too, brave companions. So until next time, until next year, take care because I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Silence.